Most of us don't even realize we're living some of the best times of our lives while they're happening. That was certainly the case for me and a couple of my buddies in the mid-70s, working summers at a suburban Midwest swimming pool. Stonegate was the name of the place. But today, Stonegate is the word that brings us together, makes us laugh, makes us feel young again, and instantaneously causes us to revert to juvenile personalities and dumbass dialogue. I'm Steve Kennecke, creator of the Stonegate Podcast. This is Pat Doran, my best buddy since we were like 15. Hello, Akenike. Hey, buddy. And this is Pat's brother, Tom Doran, still causing trouble, still a punk. <laughs> That's me. Hey, how are you doing? That's you, buddy. Hey, we hope you enjoy Stonegate as much as we did and still do. But realistically, we know that's not possible. For the vast majority of the civilized world, taking a shit is a personal, private thing. But for John Ducks, owner of the pool I worked at in the summer of 1974, dropping a deuce was just another opportunity to dominate those around him. Like the self-appointed king he was, he was quite comfortable conducting business from the throne. And he had absolutely no idea of the damage inflicted on those who worked at the pool and had to endure the wretched odor and traumatizing sight of him squatting on a toilet while delivering his macho missives. Nor did he care. To this day, I can still hear him grunting from a stall in the men's locker room. Patrick, get in here! So, guys, am I right about that? That was the way Johnny operated, right? He would freely sit there and take a shit and tell us what to do. That's how I remember it. You generally get summoned. Tom, get in here. I want to talk to you. And then he'd bring you in, and you'd, then he'd, uh, he'd be saying, uh, clean out the basket room. I want the bathrooms cleaned, and I want the barn cleaned. And uh, then he'd generally grunt a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and drop one and say, I want this place smelling like a rose. <laughs> Pat, is that the way you remember it? <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's that's pretty much what happened. <laughs> but if we you wanted all, a debate, he was happy to do that too. Right. We all yeah. listened. We all listened and we had straight faces, but we were laughing our ass off afterwards. Right. <laughs> all right. Well, let's keep going, guys. <laughs> Patrick, or Pat as the rest of the world knew him, was a co-worker and my best friend. I had just started my job as head swim team coach, lifeguard, and swim instructor at Stonegate Country Club on this early summer morning. Actually, the term country club is a gross exaggeration. It would be like calling the pool's greasy, understocked little snack bar a restaurant. So... Yeah, guys, do you remember him calling it a country club? Did you guys call it a country club? Swim club. Yeah. Uh, swim club. Private swim, swim club. club. Private yeah. swim club. Okay. With an so, adult pool. And his 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 uh, advertising tag was, come swim with us this summer. <laughs> That's and it brilliant. No wonder I got into advertising. <laughs> A renowned Division I college football player and a U.S. Marine Corps drill sergeant, Dux's world was one of physical brutality and unflinching discipline. When he gave an order, it was expected to be followed without question 
and without delay. Check the soda ash levels, take the chlorine delivery, sweep the deck, mow the lawn, and get me a ho-ho. Uh, anything else? Ho-ho, now! Right, so that, I may be exaggerating a little bit, but I definitely remember him doing that. I can still hear him yelling from the toilet stall. Yep, he'd do that. He'd make a lot of, lot of uh, orders of the day from the throne. Right. Who did. So who, who ended up doing most of that stuff? I, I, as I remembered, it was Pat who uh, got the short stick all the time. He ended up doing the chores. Tommy, you were, I don't know what the hell you were doing. I did most of everything. You didn't do shit. Tommy would hide. I was up. there before any one of you fucks. <laughs> and Kenny would just look at me and, and kind of grin and go, what the hell is this? I, I started working down there when I was about six years old. And I grabbed a bucket and I started picking up trash, just helping out when the, it was still a construction site. What a suck and, up. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. And the old man... He, uh, somehow they had the, when they got the pool house, the, uh, basket room and the snack bar built, they had the Coke machine going and I'd go by there and messing around during the day, looking for something to do. <clears throat> and he'd say, Tom, why don't you pick up some trash? I'll give you a free suicide. <laughs> and that's why I started working there. And that was, I was like six years old, something like that. Five, six years old, six years old, I guess. And, and that's when the place was still dirt and concrete and rebar and it was just being built, but it soon opened up. I didn't realize you started that young. Did you, so your payment was a suicide? A free suicide. So a suicide, Excellent. explain what a suicide was to our listeners who may not know. Well, a suicide is everything on the fountain. So what was it? It was uh, <laughs> all three Coke, Sprite. Coke, Sprite, what else was on it? Uh, usually a 7-Up, maybe? Well, a orange. Sprite. Orange, orange, yeah, orange. Orange, that's it. It had orange in there. And you pour all the these big gallon deals of syrup into the uh, these vats on top, and <clears throat> it would all mix it all together. You know, it, then you, you know, your, your fountain would be, you know, you pull the handle and you'd get your orange soda or your Coke or whatever it may be. But if you wanted a suicide, then you got one a little shot of each one of them filled up a Coke. And for some reason he thought I'd like them, but, uh, that's all I ever, I was getting suicides till I was about 10. I didn't really care for them, but they were free. <laughs> well, that's what Tommy did. I made and the future it, for you, asshole. That's how you got and in. It, and then it, when he was eight years old, he won the plaque trophy, which you're trying to find to this day. <clears throat> it was one of my, one of my life's greatest losses was losing the Outstanding Swimmer Award. And it's somewhere in Patty's house, and he just won't give it up. I've looked, and why would it be in my house? It's your trophy. You earned it with, with all your nonsense. You made off with Fucking all my up. good stuff. <laughs> I didn't even know you could swim, Tommy. I was an Outstanding Swimmer, AK. I would have made you proud on the team. Well, why didn't you <laughs> swim for me then? Um... I think I had other things on my mind then. <laughs> you didn't want to take orders from a, a hard-ass coach like Kenny. <clears throat> right. Kenny King would take his swim team. We'd be driving to weights at SM West. <laughs> and here's Kenny at 7 o'clock in the morning. All these little kids were in the front lawn doing calisthenics. 
Yeah. That's the first day. And then you had to run around. They ran around the whole property, which is three acres. <laughs> but hey, here's the deal. We won the city championship. Ah, that's right. So You had a good swim team. We did, but I molded those little fuckers. <laughs> All right, let's keep who listening. Like, who, were, who were some of the big swimmers? Was it the... There, there was one guy that was really... Kevin somebody was really good, wasn't he? That was Kevin Stevens. Yeah, he was good. I remember he's really, really strong. Big, strong guy, yeah. All right, let's keep listening, boys. The man loved his ho-hos. Just the fact that he could eat a chocolate log of brown frosted cake while mining the porcelain harbor with his own logs pretty much tells you all you need to know about the guy. Oh, but there's so much more. Ducks was a pure caveman in most respects, yet there were parts of him that were savvy and creative. Like the part that charged families a membership fee in addition to the annual fee. Being a member got you exactly nothing more than just paying the annual fee did. Oh, I take that back. You got a Stonegate t-shirt and an unframed membership certificate. All for a cool 250 bucks. And back in 74, 250 bucks was no trifling sum. Among other things, it bought you a semester of college tuition at any of the local and state universities. Speaking of school, I was definitely ready for the next chapter. I had just graduated from an all-male Jesuit Catholic high school, and I was more than ready to get the summer going, to get my life going. The Vietnam War was winding down, the draft was over, Nixon had resigned, I was heading to college in a couple of months, and gas was 23 cents a gallon, which was perfect for me and my very thirsty and very fast 1968 Pontiac GTO. I actually liked working. I've been doing part-time jobs since I was 14, and I loved the independence and extra cash that came with each job. And compared to a couple of other jobs I had, janitor, gas station jockey, delivery boy, this one seemed like cake. Especially since there were lots of pretty young ladies who belonged to the pool. Lifeguard, head swim team coach, swim instructor. Ah, uh, yes, this was going to be fun. But I hadn't factored in John Ducks. So, guys, does that does that make sense? Does that ring true? The uh, the two hundred and fifty dollar membership fee on top of the annual dues. Did I get I that, that wrong? Was, was that? I thought I remember like one hundred and seventy five or something. Is that what it was? All right, I wasn't there, sure. There was like an, an initiation fee and then the annual dues. That's the the initiation fee. What yeah, was that? The initiation fee. So, what did that get you? They gave you the opportunity to give the regular fee. Yeah, you yeah, you joined the pool, the <laughs> the swimming pool without the adult pool being built, but promised. So I, I've got this oh that's right, he never did build that, did he? No. I got this vision in my head, and I I could be wrong, of him going door to door trying to sell these memberships. How did he go how did he sell these things? He was well, going door to door. That okay, he was. Yeah, just yeah. knock on up the street, up Antioch, down yeah. 95th Street. Really? Going through the subdivision. So he'd just yeah. roll up to a house, walk up, ring the doorbell, and say, Hey, how would yeah. you like to be a member of Stonegate? <laughs> We're building it up. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be beautiful. Big pool, <laughs> Olympic size, high dive, everything, and an adult pool someday. Someday. <laughs> 
We're still waiting. So he didn't have any sort of sales staff. He was just doing this on his own. Yeah, he was a sales staff. He did a lot of it. Well, he also had his his board of directors. He had 10 big shots in town. One of them was a uh, pro baseball player. KU guy, Galen Fisk. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, there were several. Who else was on that board, though? There were – I never did meet – any of them. John Ducks knew a lot of people in town, plus his favorite banker. <laughs> his favorite banker, who was a big shot in Johnson County. Very important to know. Who was that? Ben Craig, Metcalf State Bank. Ben Craig. All right. Was he a member at the pool, too? Well, he was given a free membership, but he had his own pool in his, in his house. Gotcha. He used to clean that, too. That uh, John Arick claimed, but he brought us over as laborers. <laughs> oh yeah, that... clean it up, clean it up. Take care <laughs> he, of it. he just drove us over in his in his blue Chevy Impala uh, station wagon with Krager wheels. Actually, it was a nice looking uh, uh, station wagon. <laughs> All the equipment was in the back. We would take it out. He dump us off. We he'd come back like ten hours later and pick us up. <laughs> As I recall, I was in there scrubbing away. Patty was out chasing uh, Mr. Craig's daughter around. <clears throat> He's rather irreverent, I thought. <laughs> and irresponsible. That does not surprise me. But I I do remember Pat having a bit of a work ethic. He was just slow as hell. Oh, yeah. Very strong work ethic. You guys could not keep up. Yeah. What are you doing <laughs> today besides taking a nap? <laughs> I just got up. <laughs> I should have known it was going to be weird when I interviewed with him over the phone a couple weeks prior to starting. He didn't question my experience, didn't ask any sort of relevant questions at all actually, just told me what I'd be doing and when I would start and how much I would make. One dollar and one dime per hour. Wasn't just me though, he treated everyone and everything in the same abrupt manner with the same tight fist. As a matter of fact, he really hated parting with money in any fashion. For example, we were supposed to keep a tally of everything we ate and drank from the snack bar so he could deduct that from our paychecks. Eat a candy bar? That's 15 cents off your check, thank you very much. Coke? 10 cents deducted. Truth be told, we didn't often write down what we took. Neither did the snack bar attendants who all knew that snitching on us would result in extra chores and lots of grief. Having to choose between incurring the wrath of ducks who they saw maybe once or twice a week, or the lifeguard staff, the choice was easy. We could and would make their lives a living hell every day of the summer. Do you guys remember any of the snack bar people? And did you go in? Tommy, I know you would go in there and just take whatever the hell you wanted. (laughs) Well, the way I figured is uh, I had it coming to me because I was there uh, when the when the place was cold uh, closed, you know, I'd have to go down there and check on stuff all the time. So I figure he owed it to me because he'd never pay you. <clears throat> so a couple of ho hos here and there, a few dogs, uh, yep. and of course the suicide. And I thought that was pretty good. I think you earned that for sure. We had to check on the place. It was closed on Monday, so the the uh, employees would have a day off. So Tom and I would go down to the pool on monday it's like 95 degrees we'd be swimming in the pool it'd be kids outside the chain link fence watching us sweating wanting to come in and swim and then we'd go to the snack bar 
He does. That's when Tommy. That's when Tommy started his his fruit uh, hostess fruit uh, fruit pies. Cake, his shot put. <laughs> we used to take. <clears throat> we used to. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. You were chucking them out onto Antioch, right? Those, those cherry pies. You could take a cherry pie if you would place it properly. You could you could shot put one right out in the middle of Antioch, and it, <laughs> and then the cars would drive over it. <laughs> oh, dude, and I looked at him and I said, "What the hell did you do that for?" And he goes, "Oh, I don't know." <laughs> God, I think the cherry pies threw better than the apples. It's a little more. I don't uh, know why. A little more weight to them, maybe. Maybe, maybe so. But we used to we used to be fed well from the the snack bar and, and it had that running total. And of course, you know, I used to just cross them off if there was ever if it got a little too voluminous. Because I mean we worked there all the time. We were down there every all the time, you yeah. know, doing something. And I I I mean Patty will remember our dear father wanting to know where his tools were at, you know, where's my rake? Would you, you boys go down there and get my rake? Right. And then here yelling about that damn ducks has got every damn tool in my house. <laughs> ducks would send me up to our house, which was two blocks away. Cause he needed more uh, hose to water the grass. So I, so I get all the hose from the old man and, and he comes home and he's wanting to know where his hose is. And he just kind of, <laughs> he just kind of, grumbles and said, I better get it back here. So did your, did your dad and ducks know each other? Did they ever talk? What was the relationship? Yeah. Yeah. John, John ducks was the nicest guy to everybody member or non-member and especially our parents. He, because he gave our parents a free membership. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Which I think he let him in anyway. I think he used it once or twice in <laughs> 40 years. Yeah, I don't ever remember seeing your parents down there. No, they weren't swimmers. Mom would drop off food because all we were eating is Twinkies and hot dogs. And <laughs> yeah, all the time. And then Kenny would see the food, the home-cooked food mom bring down and go, I don't get any of that. <laughs> yeah. That's that, right. That, that, that's right. You that's never right. did, and you Kenny, never would. get any of it. You get and, nothing. And then I, I, none of I got uh, Hayward. Go have a hot dog. I, I got Hayward Spears' kid to go over and get us some ribs before we'd let him <laughs> into the pool. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. We All right, let's keep, li- let's keep listening here, boys. But back to salary negotiations. Ducks would call you into the basket room or the pump room or the office to conduct your review. He'd pull out a pencil, find the closest wall, and write down what you were making at the time. Then add what he thought was a fair increase. Then send you back out to hose the deck or stack bags of soda ash or whatever chore was next on your list. Let's see, you're making $1.25 an hour now. I'm gonna give you a five cent raise next year so you'll be making $1.30 an hour. He had to do this calculation on the wall to make sure the numbers were right. I think all those years of getting his head bashed playing football had fried some of the wiring in his brain. Math for him, especially math that involved money, was a visual exercise. And a painful one at that. I can just as easily take that raise away from you if you're not doing a good job, he'd warn. Do you guys remember that? Uh, did he do that for either of you guys right down on the wall, what you were making? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. 
Yes. There was there was calculations for years all over those two by fours that were supporting the basket room and <laughs> and the, the manager's office and or the storeroom, whatever you call it. And he'd be writing all over it and he'd say, All right, now give you this one one twenty-five per hour. Uh, next year, one thirty an hour. Yes. How's that? How's that? How's right, that? right. He wanted to make you feel like he was really giving you a great deal. I don't do this for everybody. Uh, but Once you agreed to it, which you always did, I mean, for, and for me, I never argued with him about it because I started from zero. Yeah. So I was pretty happy to get anything back then. But 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 then he'd be uh, writing checks. You know, as you got older, you started looking for your check and, you know, needing the money. And I remember he'd be there on a generally a Saturday or Sunday afternoon on the picnic table by the basket room. <laughs> yeah. And he'd be over there in quiet solitude, you know, doing his uh, long math on, uh, on all these little hourly rates and taxes and all, I guess he'd do tax. I don't think he even did taxes, did he? I just did payroll, but he'd, uh, he'd do them all by hand, long hand. Yeah. And then he'd hand you a check and he'd look at you with those big blue eyes <laughs> right. and he'd say, Tom, here you go. He <laughs> had you that check and say, it's a sad day. <laughs> That's right. He'd he <laughs> say it every time. It's Anytime so he had to fight with money. Yes. It's a sad day. That's exactly right. He <laughs> <laughs> just sit there and smile at you like, I did you a favor. Right. Well, yeah, I, he'd look at you and he'd say, make sure you clean that trash can up too. <laughs> Well, I think it was truly painful for him to part with money. I mean, he was such a tight ass. Oh, God. Yeah, he was old yeah, school. He was, he was frugal, but uh, I remember one time when when he he would take all the change, all the money and cash from the snack bar on Sunday, and it'd be a lot of money over the week, and he would put them in uh, plastic or uh, paper cups and tape them up and yeah. put them in his pocket. And one time, he ended up... <laughs> throwing away two or three containers of money uh, in the trash. And you can see him out in the dumpster in the back by the, <laughs> the barn looking around, you know, throwing trash out to find his, his money in those cups. I mean, I don't think you ever saw him. He never found him. Ah, uh, that's, that's what well, I well, Let's keep listening. Cause I got another example coming up of him and, and money and doing a good job consisted of all the things we were hired to do around the pool. It also meant handling chores at his home or his cabin at the Lake of the Ozarks. Ah, uh, yes, the Ozarks. Our annual reward for enduring another summer of bullshit. Duck's place was a small cottage on the shores of the lake near Sunrise Beach, Missouri. We'd pile into Pat's 68 Dodge Dart for what should have been a three-hour trip, which would have been 2.45 if we had taken my GTO and the A-Track deck was working. But we took Pat's car because it had four doors and a little more trunk room. In exchange, we were forced to endure his painfully slow four-hour pace along the highways and byways that led to the lake. As I mentioned, Pat was my best friend, then and now. I love the guy, a tough, gregarious Irishman with a heart as big as Kansas and a laugh best suited for a Killarney pub two pints into the evening. Pat's nickname is Slow-Mo. He didn't earn it by accident. He moved at a glacial pace. Didn't matter if he was driving, on the way to the guard stand for his shift, or tying his shoes. 
just agonizingly slow and deliberate. He remains that way today at an age that comes standard with a slower pace. Still, with Pat, it's annoying. Just ask his wife, Marion, a saint, if there ever was one. Patrick, now you cannot deny that you are the slowest bitch ever when we were working, walking out to the stand or whatever you had to do. There are many inaccuracies in this recent story. First of all, set set the record straight. He's still slow at six. First of all, I was very fast on my feet, but I just knew that when I'm relieving you at the guard chair, I'm taking my time. Oh, that's what it was, just to piss me off. And hey, clarification my car was a 69 Dodge Dart, it was a two door, it was a six banger. And I could, and I got it up to 105 miles miles an hour with five people in the car and two six packs down 110th down the hill. What? I never saw you drive that thing more than 35 miles an hour. Well, because you know, uh, I didn't want to disturb the neighborhood with my glass packs. Did you have glass packs on that? <laughs> yes, I did. I put it on myself. Oh, my God. Tell about the time you pulled in the driveway at mom and dad's house and fell asleep with the car on and the old man had to come out and get you. <laughs> well, well, that was a late night at Stonegate. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that one. He was pissed. You were curious. <laughs> oh, my God. I uh, well, So it, it was a 69 Dodge Dart and it had two doors. But a, Emerald green. I remember the color distinctly. I also remember that anything with a six-cylinder was immediately the subject of everyone's scorn and ridicule. Because if you had a <laughs> if you had a six-banger back then, you were driving a piece of shit. Am I right? I know it was a girl's car. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but I but I souped it up with your crappy little FM uh, tuner you stuck oh, in. Oh, FM FM uh, uh, Rockola. <laughs> <laughs> it was an FM converter hooked into my AM radio. Oh, I didn't know you had that. It was that. very ingenious. Scott helped us. Uh, help uh, under the that. dash next to your baby oil. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. You had baby oil in your car? <laughs> I, was a, I was a lifeguard. What do you expect? Oh, my God. I don't even want to know what you were doing with baby oil in your car. <laughs> All right, move on. Moving on. Moving on. But back to the Ozarks and Ducks' place. As soon as we'd pull up, he'd be waiting for us in the front yard with a list of chores. Hell, we'd no sooner set our bags down and we were moving railroad ties, cutting the grass, painting walls, or waxing the Roberta K. Roberta K, incidentally, was Ducks' wife's name. So he decided to name his creaky, crappy, wooden bathtub of a boat after her. I remember that boat as being kind of dumpy. You guys. You... Oh, actually, no. That, yeah, it was good. It was a beautiful boat. Oh, it was all right. wood. I got it was that all wrong. Wood, and he, uh, he, we had to polish that thing every time we were there. I remember it was, it that. It was in good shape. Yeah. It was a Chris Craft. It was an antique it was a Chris boat. Like cabin, cabin oh, all right. All right. So I got that oh, totally it was a wrong. Nice boat. I do remember it was wood, and I just thought it was kind of crappy, but I guess not, huh? No. No, it was nice. It was an excellent boat, but it ran out of gas a couple times. I do remember that that. boat. You'd you'd pull it out and it would be going down the down there, and it'd uh, it'd let me steer sometimes, and then he'd tell me 
and say, Tom, you're going left and right and left and right. You're not driving straight. <laughs> I'd say, well, really? And he goes, yeah. He says, and I said, how do you know that? And he said, when you've been on the seas as long as me, you just know. <laughs> well, I mean, all you got to do is look behind the boat and you can see where you've been. <laughs> when you've been on the seas as long as me, you just know. Oh, I can totally hear that. I, I, in fact, I think he said and then that. He'd, and then he'd look at us and say, I like to boat. Absolutely. He said that all the time. <laughs> I like to boat. <laughs> he loved it down there. So weak. All right, let's keep let's keep listening. We got a little more Ozark to get through here. We had fun down there. Don't get me wrong. Plenty of boating and swimming and beers in the sun. We rode inner tubes from semi-truck tires and water skied, mostly with a suit on, but sometimes without. It was our time to raise a little hell and break some rules instead of having to enforce them for a change. One of the highlights of the trip every year was being treated to a breakfast at the local diner at Page's Boatyard. As soon as we sat down, we were given our ordering limit. A dollar fifty, the old man would say. That would get you a couple eggs, a slice of bacon, and two small pancakes. Not nearly enough for ravenous 18-year-olds, but we took what we could get. And so did our waitress. Once we were all settled at the table, ducks would pull out a stack of quarters, maybe five, and pile them in the middle of the table. The waitress would take our order, and then Ducks would abruptly tell her that, This is your tip. If the service is good, you get to keep them all. But for everything you do wrong, I'm removing a quarter. This never failed to embarrass the shit out of me and irritate the shit out of the waitress. Can't prove it, but I wouldn't be surprised if the cook, or even the waitress for that matter, mixed a little extra ingredient in the form of a loogie or booger in our meals. And who could blame them? You guys, am I? I got that right, right? I mean, that he did that. I remember that, him doing that. That happened. Yes, that it happened exactly. Yeah, I mean, like every time we went, right? And then he would he would sit and smile at the waitress, and he'd have these big white teeth and those baby blue eyes. And the waitress was uh, very nice, but uh, hey, we had how many people? Twelve at the table, ten. Yeah, and it was mostly little kids. Right, and and it wasn't a good tip. I mean, it was like four or five quarters that he put on the table i don't remember i don't remember the tips but he might have done that i don't know i was probably nah. stuck in my face at the end of the table you, yeah. it's called dementia tommy <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. he did that exactly hey he? uh, joe speaking of remembering stuff uh, do you guys remember skinny skiing yeah i do i remember that one when uh it was a redgate guy that that was uh yeah skiing naked wasn't he we all were <laughs> rick Rick. We're, we're all just skiing? Rick. Uh, we all skied naked. I remember one time doing that with you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you don't Thank remember? Thank God it was during the week and no one was there. Yeah, but we try to find a boat with girls in and then drag Pat, who was naked, behind the boat next to the girls in another boat. <laughs> so they could... <laughs> and, and we did find... I think I do remember that. I remember something about that. Very embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly when you, it's bad when you fell. I imagine. <laughs> Not that I ever did, because I was an athlete. <laughs> All right, let's keep going, guys. If you wanted to clean up, you grabbed an inner two and bar of Life Boy soap and headed for the lake. For evening entertainment, we'd pile into the Roberta K for a sunset cruise. 
I can remember running out of gas and having to paddle back to the cabin a time or two. Not sure if that was the result of his mushy brain or a calculated move to save gas money and make us work even though we were there to relax. Ducks had five kids. They got no more compassion or leniency than his staff got. To him, we were all just farmhands helping him harvest an income by any means possible. When his kids were old enough to walk, they were put to work. Now, being the offspring of a career hard-ass, you would expect them to toe the line 24-7. Not the case. They were all little shitheads. When Daddy Ducks wasn't around, they were totally incorrigible. Hell, they were even shitheads when he was around. To this day, I can see second son Michael purposely driving a riding lawnmower up a three-foot retaining wall right in front of old Jarhead. Michael, what the hell are you doing? He'd scream. Michael would reply, Sorry, Dad, it was an accident. Then he'd peer over at us, smirking. Looking back on those summers through the lens of 40-plus years, I think me and Pat and Tommy can see the old man a little differently. The old man was a true entrepreneur, a hustler, a showman, a hard worker. He built a successful business that was the source of not only our income, but the gateway to adulthood. Dear God, please go easy on John if he's up there with you and the angels. And if he asks you to get him a ho-ho, be sure to plug your nose. Ducks. <laughs> well, look what he did for us. He provided memories. It was a great time working down there. Yeah, you're right. The last season at Stonegate, I was going away to college, and he, he says, Pat, meet me at Shore Tire. Just meet me here at 1 o'clock. So I drove over and met him, and he goes, I'm putting on a set of snow tires on your car. You're going to need them when you go away to school. Oh, I didn't know that. That's nice. Yeah. Automatically, you know, he just said, just show up here. This is what you're getting. He didn't give me any damn tires. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, this has been fun. This is when episode. This, this is our film, pilot. When this goes to film, Tommy wants his director's chair. That's right. Well, Tommy, who do you want playing you in the movie? Well, hell, who else? Probably, probably somebody like Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Stonegate. And be sure to listen to the next one as the dumbassery continues.